You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. You can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Art19, YouTube, and CincyJungle.com. We're going to get to listener questions here now. Uh, you can give us a call or shoot us a text, 949-542-6241, 949-542-6241, or leave your, your questions in the live YouTube chat or on the uh, comment thread on CincyJungle.com. We already do have... We, we do have a, a call on the line. It is Aaron, who is from Cincinnati. Aaron, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. What's on your mind tonight? I'm in chocolate system. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I got so much uh, that I can't even probably get it all out. If I run a little long, just cut me off whenever you need to. <laughs> all right. I wonder if Tom <laughs> I wanted to comment on a couple of things you guys were talking about uh, as far as like quarterbacks go. Uh, one of the things that was like taking them up brain there was uh, when we were talking about Martin Lewis saying everybody wanted Andy Dalton. I don't think anybody wanted Andy Dalton for eight years. Like, not for eight years, but maybe for a couple of seasons, as John said, maybe as a backup. But nobody wants Andy Dalton. Nobody thinks of him as a, like, the guy to build your franchise around. So that's just complete punk. You know, I think he's just throwing that out there. Um, in regards to the game on Sunday, <laughs> I think that this, uh, you know, with, uh, with Jeff Driscoll, it, it won't ever work with this coaching agency because the way Jeff plays is a very, like, a high-risk, high-reward kind of deal, and you kind of got to keep chasing that dragon, you know what I'm saying? If you keep up the pick on one drive, you got to keep letting him go back at it, and we, we're not that type of offense. It's, you know, you only get so many chances to do anything, and, uh, I mean, but if you, if you, if you, like, look at some of the other stats in the game, we're just watching it, like, um, versus when Andy's in there, we, we often go three and out, you know what I'm saying? There's not, like, you know, <laughs> there's not sustained drives at all, whereas, yeah, you know, almost until, I want to say, it started to get out of hand around the third quarter, we were, like, comparable in, like, time of possession stats, which we normally always lose. We were competitive in yards, you know what I'm saying? And all, all those other little stats that nobody really pays attention to. Like, they were close. It just didn't translate to the scoreboard because of, you know, whatever reason, penalties, setting us back, and all that stuff. I really feel like if we didn't have such discombobulation on that offensive line that with all the penalties, it probably... We, we put up a much better fight. It's not winning the game. I, that's just me. I might be out of mind, but whatever. Um, and lastly, to touch on the coaching thing, I personally... I'm only going to get excited about a coach who I feel like will take more power from Mike Brown. So, like, 
it would have to be a big signing that would say to me, like, yo, Mike Brown gave, like, way more control to this guy. You know what I'm saying? Because if he brings in anybody else, I really feel like he'll regress in how much he gives, you know, to somebody who isn't in a Marvin Luke. So, if it was a big name, like, uh, like we were talking to Jim Harbaugh or Urban Byer, even though I'm kind of iffy about that because of the, the PR storm that he's been going into, I really don't think we need that. But if we do, I, at least I know, like, hey, that guy, he's coming in, he got the power. That's the only way that you're going to draw a guy in like that more so than the money just the control so yeah well thanks but, uh, th- thanks Aaron we're gonna take uh, these questions off there good stuff really good stuff call again for sure uh, John a lot there um, and we, we got a couple of calls that uh, we, we couldn't get to but if you want to call back we'll try and get you on the air we do have an open line now but um, John the one I, I, I want to talk about <laughs> And he, he stopped short of saying it, but Andy Dalton is a tease, right? I mean, for lack of a better word, Andy Dalton is a guy, he's he, think about this year. He had numerous comeback wins. Um, he also had, he set franchise records, but like he said, he's a guy you maybe want two, three years, and it's kind of the Alex Smith thing. You start to get sick of him and you want to move on. Yeah, he's like the he's like the ideal bridge quarterback because he's definitely the kind of guy that would take a young quarterback under his wings and kind of get him prepared to eventually take his job. And I think he would handle that role well. But he's exactly right. You know, he's not the quarterback that can elevate your franchise. And I think my big fear with them eventually moving on from him is taking another kind of Andy Dalton because you know they they've grown comfortable with him and they've they they think that they can find success with him in the long run they just think they're un- they're unlucky in that sense but i definitely want a, a transition to you know a, a more a quarterback that can actually elevate your team and, and you don't have to build a superstar team around him to eventually you know g- g- you know cross the threshold that you're so desperately trying to cross and Aaron may log in points and you know and all that kind of stuff but i really really wish <laughs> I really wanted to. I really wanted to tell him that there was. Just, there's just not going to be a coach that takes away power from Mike Brown as long as Mike Brown is running. running. Well, and I, I agree with you, and I'm glad you brought that part up. We, we've got another call we're going to get to in just a second here, but I'm glad you brought that part up because I thought that was very interesting, and I think that where where my wheels turn on that is that I, I totally agree with you that a new guy coming in is not going to be able to wrestle a lot of power away from Mike Brown. Not a chance, but. Uh, a guy who comes in and is somehow, whether it's with a transcendent quarterback or whatever, if he's able to start winning, you're going to be able to sit, have more say. And that's yeah. what happened with Marvin. And, I mean, that's that's really the thing with any business. I mean, think about it. If you're a salesman, right, and you have a sales manager and your sales manager wants you to do stuff a certain way, if you kind of do play by the rules a little bit, but you also have your own game plan and you put up excellent numbers – and you have something you want to have done or you have a strategy you want to implement or you kind of want to do things your own way, your sales manager's like, well, if you keep putting up the numbers, fine, right? I mean, yeah. if you're not getting us in trouble in terms of legal legal problems or something and uh, you're putting up the numbers, all right, man, do it your own way. And I think that that's what, what it's going to take in terms of wrestling away power from Mike Brown. Yes, you might be able to, once he moves on, whether it's, unfortunately with death or passing 
it along to his family members or what have you, you might get some changes there. But I think no matter who it is, it's going to have to be a coach that rides it out for a year or two yeah. under, under strict guidelines. And then if and when they're able to win, it's going to be like, hey, my, my way works. My way works. And so let's, let's do things my way. I think that's what Jim Harbaugh tried to do in San Francisco, and it, it just rubbed, rubbed people the wrong way. But yeah. uh, I, I think that's what it's going to take to wrestle away some power from Mike Brown. We have another call on the line. I believe it's from our good friend Terrell. Terrell, how are you, sir? I'm doing we're well, we're doing okay. I mean it's it's we're five and seven coming off a pretty ugly yeah. loss here, so we're doing all right. But uh, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was some trash Yeah, not not a very good showing. Yeah, but, uh, but I do I do wanna just say that uh we, we got Marvin do gotta get up out of there. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, he said he said he said he said he said he said he the preparation and everything's getting real stale. And I just wanted to say that, uh, yeah, the defense is looking like they can't tackle it. The two guys, I, I think that we could try to trade or get value. I think that uh, we're going to get rid of, uh, uh, and also Kirkpatrick. And mm. also, uh, one of the coaches I was going to say was, uh, That's a that's a good uh, that's a good call there. Thanks, Terrell. Appreciate you calling in as always. We'll take uh, we'll take that question off the air. Um, a lot a lot there that he talked about. We'll get to his his little question at the end there. I thought that that was a really good one. Um, the the thing that uh, I, I don't know how much value the Bengals will get if they try and trade Perfect and, and Kirkpatrick. Um, I just I don't I don't know that there's much there. Yeah, I don't think there's just much value there. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I just I think between salaries and baggage and all that stuff, I don't I don't think there's much there uh, to get. But Hall, Joseph, and uh, Pac-Man versus Denard, Jackson, and Kirkpatrick. I'm going to go with the former. I think, uh, and and unfortunately, the Bengals didn't get to keep Joseph all that long. Um, they, they basically got him for his rookie rookie deal and that was it. But um, he and Hall were a good tandem. And then, you know, they, they played with, uh, I think they were able to play with Jones for at least the three of them played together for one year or two years, I believe. But I think that that trio, even though the other trio are, are a trio of first round picks as well, I think that uh, Hall, Joseph and Pacman wins out for me. What about you, John? Oh yeah, I think easily as well. I think at, for a decent stretch in time, Hall was the best slot cornerback in the NFL, and I think I don't think it was relatively close. Um, it, it, at least back in in the late two thousands, early twenty tens, Joseph was amongst the upper echelon of boundary cornerbacks, and he got paid like one when he went to Houston. He was never, I guess, an All Pro at the position, but he was always good enough to contend for the Pro Bowl and 
uh, as of right now. Obviously, Kirkpatrick's not exactly near that. Um, I, I, I grew sick and tired of defending Pac-Man as the person, or at least as, yeah. as a player. He had, you know, a decent, he had a decent career with the Bengals for sure, and he definitely, you know, was a figure in the locker room that, at the very least, guys kind of look, kind of look to for on the field leadership and that kind of stuff. So as your first cornerback, you know, he was pretty, he was pretty decent, and, and up until he fell off the cliff as a player. But yeah, definitely Hall and Joseph, that duo alone, that kind of sells me. Even though Jackson is a is a is a very good player, and Kirkpatrick is at least you know average at this point in his career. Yeah, Jonathan Joseph's still doing it. He had an interception yeah. last week against Cleveland. Um, still not the player he was probably at the, the, the prime of his career, probably in you know 2009 with the Bengals or 2011, 2012 with the Texans. But um, still brings it, still playing for him, and uh, you know he's had a good little career. Mostly with the Texans, but a good chunk of it with the Bengals as well. We're going to get out of here with uh, this last question here. We got to end on a happy note. Sarcasm font. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Andy, does it remind anyone else that this team looks a lot like the 90s teams with a number 28 at the running back position and not much else? Uh, yes. And obviously he's referring to Corey Dillon, uh, 28. And, and <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, for those who follow, who are on Twitter, Jeremy Conley, if you follow him, he's the guy who dresses up as a Bengals version of Captain Obvious from the, uh, from the hotel, I think it's hotels.com commercials mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, he put out, he, he tweeted out a deal that was Corey Dillon's career rushing day the other day, which was, I, if you haven't seen that, it, it's pretty incredible because, they had Scott Mitchell at quarterback and, and nothing else, and yet he still racked up 278 yards on the ground that day, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, but yes, there. Yes and no. To me, this is a team that is either vastly underachieving based on the amount of high picks that are out there and, and all of that, or – this is a team that is not doing well in the draft. I think it's actually a little bit of both because high picks aren't playing. Certain high picks aren't playing for them or not playing well or have taken a step back this year. So I think there is more talent, overall talent on this team. I think it's underachieving, but there are some similarities. Your take, John. It's hard for a talented running back like Mixon to not do well, regardless of what his surroundings is, as long as the blocking's decent. Like, it's only so much that bad coaching can do to negatively affect a, a good running back like Dixon. And that's kind of like the same thing that was with Dylan when he had just Willie Anderson in front, but no one else and no one else on that entire team that was talented. Bengals just handed him off, handed the ball off to him 20, 30 times a, a game. And he ended up accumulating a, a, a crap ton of yards because of it. That's kind of the same nature that could be with Mixon if they feed Mixon the ball, which they don't do because Bill Lazor historically doesn't do that as a play caller. But yeah, to your, to your point, there is, significantly more talent when you compare the two rosters because there is actually talented players. But as you said, most of the issues stem from coaching. Now they're not elevating those talented players to what they could be and definitely not getting the depth ready to play at all. And just a severe lack of depth in important areas that obviously injuries have affected and have caused this roster to look pretty, pretty freaking bare at this point with all the injuries that have come about. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat with you. Yes. That look like the brightest spot but there's a reason for that it's because he's running back there's only so much that a lack of coaching can negatively do to, to affect that yeah and you know Corey dillon I'm, I'm looking up his stats Corey dillon is basically uh he had basically 
20, 20 carries a game. Um, and Mixon is, is far below that. We're going to, we've got one last call here, John. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to get to it and then we'll, we will get out of here. So let me grab this. Hi, it's the Orange and Black Insider. Who's this? John, what's going on, buddy? We're, you're the last call of the night. What What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I just want to thank you and John both for doing this podcast each week because it, I'm sure it's getting to where it's hard to talk about the Bengals sometimes, you know? So I do appreciate you all doing this. Nah, thanks, buddy. I, I mean that seriously. Um, and you did mention earlier, Anthony, that maybe if the Bengals win their last few games or something, they'll bring Marvin back. Well, I don't think the Bengals win their last few games. I think it's Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I don't see them winning either one of those games, whether they bring Marvin back or not. I don't think I'll be surprised either way if he's not back or if he is back. So um, I don't know. What, what's your opinion on that? Well, uh, first of all, thanks for the kind words, John. Always appreciate it and always appreciate you calling in. Um, basically, to me, the only winnable game, obviously, of the, of the four remaining seems to be Oakland. And boy, might that one be just ugly to watch in terms of <laughs> what's, what the product on the field will be for both of those teams. You know, I, I think if this, was a, if this was a team that maybe had Dalton or uh, – not both, but Dalton or Green, I think they would have a shot at maybe – you know, winning a, another game or kind of make it, making a run at an eight and eight now at this point. But I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't really see a win there. And I think that if, if Marvin is going to pull out wins and he, and he somehow gets a win against Cleveland and or Pittsburgh, that will definitely open ownership's eyes for better or for worse in terms of fan perspective, that will open ownership's eyes and say, you know, obviously Marvin finished the season with these two, with these two wins. John Sheeran, your your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think thanks, six, John. Yeah, I, I think six wins is the the number that we're likely going to see, and it's probably going to be that winning against Oakland because as bad as the Bengals are, the Oakland are just that much worse, and they're playing at home for in front of probably thirty thousand people going to that game. So yeah, I, I I don't I don't see them winning those two games either because they're, they're playing with a disadvantage in the most important areas, you know, coaching and quarterback. And it, it, again, like like we like we talked about, it'll just be an impossible sell for the team to possibly mark you know market this team with Marvin Lewis again leading the, the team, and especially after you know at, at that point, what would it be like losing six out of the final eight games at that point? Yeah. It, it, presumably, if they win against Oakland two straight division losses to close out the year it would just be it, it it would be an impossible task for them to do to try to to try to spin that into a positive and you know but again this is the Bengals and Marvin Lewis and Mike Brown are inseparable until they are, they are separated so we can't it, it's just impossible to to assume that it's actually going to happen until it actually happens so I, I think I'm right with John from Kentucky I would be equally you know I, I would be equally surprised both ways I guess yeah yeah, and uh, it's a shame. It really is because even even when the Bengals were, you know, in this one and three stretch, one and four stretch, I mean, there were still Cleveland's a winnable game. Denver should be a winnable game at both at home. Uh, you've got another game against Cleveland, should be a winnable game. 
Um, you've got Oakland. I mean, it, even if it was a, a you're in the playoffs as a charlatan type of nine or ten win team, there was still an opportunity for this team to do something, even with the injuries and all that kind of stuff. I mean, these are games that these are not for, formidable teams. Uh, most of them in this in this stretch of games, and uh, th- I mean they are looking completely overmatched, and uh, some of that has to do with the injuries for sure. But they're looking completely overmatched. They're get they're two touchdown dogs this week against the Chargers. Um, you know they lost by fourteen against Denver. It, it just it, it it going back to the previous question. It does feel a, a, there is a nineteen nineties stench about what's happening and it, it's weird because it this team just completely hit a brick wall this year uh yeah. just it, it, that Steelers loss just made him completely hit a brick wall and uh it's kind of been a tale of two seasons it's it's really a shame and uh it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of changes for internally for this team to turn the corner again next next year but we'll see if that happens thanks so much for all of your calls we've had we had a number of calls we missed some i apologize we couldn't get to all of them and i apologize to our callers that we couldn't talk to you for longer periods of time we'd love to just talk to you for hours and hours about the Bengals if we could but time is not on our side as they say but uh you get this show on itunes stitcher google play youtube art 19 and cincyjungle.com we appreciate the support and uh, subscribe to those channels. If you can, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Bengals OBI. Uh, we appreciate all the interaction in the live YouTube chat tonight. And um, for John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. Keep your, keep your chins up. Better times are coming. I hope <laughs> this is the Black Insider Bengals podcast. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. (laughs) We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.